0: Hello and welcome to the Data Cloud Podcast. Today's episode features an interview with Nilesh Prabhu, Managing Director of Architecture and Enterprise Services in the Information Technology Group at DTCC. He has spent the last 20 years holding leadership positions at major financial institutions like TD Bank and Capital One. In this episode, Nilesh talks about modernizing legacy technologies, leveraging the relationship between business and IT, the future of the financial industry, and so much more. So please enjoy this interview between Nilesh and your host, Steve Hamm.
1: Welcome Nalesh. It's, it's great to have you on the podcast today.
2: Thank you, Steve, and I am thrilled to be on the podcast with you. Great,
1: great. Now, DTCC plays an incredibly important role in the global financial markets. Yet, I'm sure that plenty of people listening to the podcast today aren't familiar with the company. So, tell us about it. Who owns the company? What is its history? And what services does it provide today?
2: Yes, Steve, DTCC stands for Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation. We are a premier post trade infrastructure firm for global markets, providing stability, certainty, and reliability for the financial services industry. And we support our clients by mitigating risk, increasing transparency and driving efficiencies. But we've got a very interesting history. We were created by the financial industry to solve a paper problem. 50 years ago, if you bought uh, stock in a public company, usually through a stock exchange, you sent in a check and received a paper certificate to reflect your ownership of shares. So in 1973, DTCC was created by the financial industry to put all of those certificates in a vault and create a computerized central ledger. Today, we are the world's largest depository of active U.S. issues, and we clear and settle virtually all stock and bond trades in the US markets. And that implies more than 200 million transactions a day across 50 different markets and trading venues. Since then, we've also expanded our offerings to other financial products, including the global derivative markets. In 2021, we processed over $2.4 quadrillion of security transactions. And just so that your listeners understand, I'm not making up the term quadrillion. It's one followed up by 15 zeros or a thousand trillion. And that that reflects our scale. No, that's amazing. (laughs) We're also, Steve, we're also regulated in almost every market we operate in. And we have oversight by 23 different regulators across the globe. And the interesting thing about our culture is why we're focused on stability, security, and resiliency, we see innovation as one of our strategic pillars. So we really built a culture where innovation is encouraged and celebrated.
1: Yeah. No, that's a great and thorough answer. Thank you so much. Hey, I, I did ask, who owns the company? Is it owned by the by the people, by the financial services companies or is it separate?
2: No, it is owned by the financial services industry, okay. and we have over uh, 275 shareholders who comprise of various players in the financial services okay. industry.
1: Okay, got it, got it. And you also described it as this, the the core service is a central ledger. So, are you using blockchain, or are you planning on using blockchain in the future for this for this capability?
2: Yeah, the as a part of our innovation strategy. Steve, we have actively looked at blockchains and the ability to leverage that technology in order to further our services. And if you go onto our website, you should look up Project Ion, where we have leveraged the blockchain as a very interesting capability to clear and settle security transactions here in the U.S.
1: Yeah. No, that's really great. That's good. A fantastic overview. So let's drill down to one individual, you. What's your role in the company, and what's your strategy for modernizing the way DTCC manages data?
2: So I have global responsibility for both DTCC's technology architecture, as well as the delivery of enterprise technology services for DTCC. I lead a team of over 1,500 technologists who architect DTCC's applications, data, and platforms as well as build and deliver foundational capabilities like data that enable both agility and resiliency for all of our businesses. We have embarked on a multi-year strategy that will modernize not only our technology, but also key aspects of our business, including enhancing customer experience while managing production stability and resiliency. Data modernization is a key aspect of that overall modernization strategy. Right, right. We are using that to improve our client experience, providing timely and seamless access to data, both for internal and external clients. We are also focused on breaking data silos that exist within our enterprise and enhancing data resiliency. Like any large financial services firm, Steve, we run a number of legacy monolithic platforms Right. And our goal with our data strategy is to enable innovation and agility for our businesses while these legacy systems are being modernized. Yeah.
1: No, this is just incredible. I mean, it just, it's just sinking in with me. I mean, your organization must deal with the most data of any organization in the world and also the most transactions. You basically are, are, putting a real stress test on any technologies that you use. So you have to have like the best, correct?
2: Yeah, that is very right, Steve. And we work, given our unique use cases, we work very closely with our partners to ensure that we are feeding in our requirements, which in many places push the boundaries, like you mentioned, so that they can build it into their applications.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I was looking at a little bit about your, your career history, which is really very strong. So, you've had a series of important data management jobs in financial services. Before DTCC, you were at TD Bank, Capital One, CIT, TIAA Cruff. How have your experiences at those companies and organizations prepared you for the challenges that you face today?
2: I've been indeed fortunate to get a bird's eye view of technology infrastructure for financial services companies as well as businesses around our industry. And probably draw maybe the best way to describe it is there are certain themes which are common, right? So firstly, across our industry, we are increasingly digitizing our business and critical services are being now delivered digitally, resulting in ever increasing importance of data. When I started my career many years ago, I heard the the phrase, financial businesses are really data businesses, and it couldn't be more true today. Also, as I I just referred to, most financial services companies have large investments in legacy technologies, which lock their data in product systems. So modernization of these legacy technologies is a great opportunity not only to modernize these systems, but also modernize our data architecture. And this requires firms to act and behave differently than they have done in the past. And maybe there are a couple of themes I can touch on. Firstly, it is important that firms not only focus on data technology, but also focus on building another data muscle, which is investing in people, culture, and capabilities, to exploit the data they have. And building such a culture is a hallmark of firms I have seen who are really successful at driving data programs and exploiting value from them. The second thing I would point out, Steve, is that building data capabilities is also a very special art which successful firms have, have figured out. And the whole idea is to not build data capabilities in a big bank, do it incrementally, and do it with clear line of sight into how these capabilities will be consumed by the business and how they will generate business value.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. You know, it occurs to me, you know, you've had a a good long career, several, you know, big kind of famous companies you, you work for. And I imagine over the years, you've kind of gone through one transformation of technology after another because these things go into waves and they, as far as I know, they never stop. But the latest wave, of course, is the cloud. So I want to drill back on, on DTCC again. When did the, the organization start migrating applications and data to the cloud? And when and why?
2: Yes, Steve, we, we started down this journey in 2012, so we we were relatively early to the game, and our desire to leverage the cloud has been to drive two main benefits. Firstly, leverage tremendous innovation that occurs on the cloud, and secondly, to enable the scale and the resiliency that the cloud brings for our businesses. We leverage the cloud at DTCC under two broad use cases. The first one, is our desire to exploit the public cloud to buy into world-class functionality and gain cost efficiencies by leveraging software as a service, primarily for our corporate functions and some IT capabilities. So for functions like finance, HR, and collaboration capabilities, we leverage the cloud very heavily. And the second use case we've been involved in is leveraging the public cloud to host our business applications. And given our resiliency requirements, given our unique requirements and the scale we handle, this has been a very graduated journey and we are actively working with our cloud partners to ensure that their services can meet the needs of our applications. Yeah,
1: yeah. Now, in terms of this migration, the the maturity of it, I mean, do you still have a lot of stuff, a lot of data on premises or is it mostly in the cloud now?
2: We have been on an active journey of migrating our data onto the cloud. So the vast majority of our data, especially data which is used for non-transactional purposes and data exploration purposes, we have been migrating that to the cloud at a very rapid clip. Right,
1: right. Now, DTCC began using Snowflake's data cloud in 2019. What were the initial uses and what results have the technologies brought?
2: So we started on this journey, Stephen, the 2018, 2019 timeframe, and the prime driver for us was that the on-prem data infrastructure we were using was uh, at end of life. And so we had a major decision to make whether to continue down that path or to take a path which led us to the cloud. Our current model had two major drawbacks. Firstly, Scale and expansion meant major time-to-market issues for us. We had to go through a lengthy procurement process. There was the racking and stacking of the infrastructure in our data centers, and finally, installing software and configuring it, all of which would take months. The cloud model was very appealing because that would significantly reduce this time-to-market and make that process seamless. Secondly, as an IT organization, we had to invest in specialized teams to manage and run this data warehouse software and hardware, which essentially meant additional costs, but also complexity. So the cloud model was a relatively easy decision for us. So we did, as we migrated to, the, to this model, we achieved significant benefits. But the biggest benefit, which we are now realizing, is one around driving innovation in our businesses. Mm-hmm. By extracting data from these legacy environments that are averse to change to a cloud environment that is designed to have on-compute demand and storage power, along with modern IT tools to better visualize, analyze, and distribute that information, we've been able to sharpen our focus on customer needs and experience. And that right. has been a, a, indeed a, a game changer for us.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so you have you know your basic services that you provide and then you're then you're basically a lot of the innovation is in these additional new data analytics applications for your customers, right? And that's what you're doing with Snowflake?
2: Yeah, we are leveraging Snowflake certainly to provide added services for our customers, but we're also leveraging it internally to democratize data and create a culture of innovation internally.
1: Yeah, I see. That's great. So in late September, DTCC and Snowflake announced a significant expansion of their relationship to transform how data is accessed, shared, and leveraged across a number of your services. So please give us some color on that. What are you doing and why?
2: Yeah, Steve, this is something which has been a very exciting development for us. As I mentioned, we already leverage Snowflake as a data foundation across our businesses in market utility, repository, and data services. We believe that we can leverage other core capabilities that exist in the Snowflake platform to position us to solve key industry and client needs. One area which is of great interest to us is data sharing. The market is evolving from SFTP, FTP messaging, that required downloading of data between players in the data supply chain, to data sharing models where we can leverage common cloud-based environments and where multiple people, parties, can view and interact with the same data. This obviously has benefits for us in terms of efficiencies in IT budgets. We won't clog up uh, networks. We won't need as much infrastructure to distribute the data but it also has significant business benefits. Under this model, we can, once a client elects to license a product, we can onboard them faster. In an SFTP world, the provision process can take three to four weeks and we provision access on weekends. You know, you miss a weekend and you lose weeks of subscription revenue. Secondly, it also improves our ability to develop what we call intraday products, which is the next phase of our product life cycle. And these products are more valuable and they carry a higher license than daily products.
1: Right, right.
2: And finally, we've got a very strong focus on resilience. This data sharing model makes our delivery process more resilient. You have less ops in data delivery, which results in less points of failure. Yeah. We're also, Steve, we're also looking at a couple of other areas like running uh, data bound applications, especially in our risk area. And with the impending move of the US capital markets from T plus two to T plus one, we will be able to improve our risk management posture by running intraday analytics and also leveraging the data science capabilities on the Snowflake platform to crunch AI models to some of that massive data which you and
1: I spoke about earlier. Yeah, yeah. And intraday, just so I'm clear, that means that people could do real-time analytics on their data, correct? Yes,
2: okay. near, near real-time analytics okay. on, on okay. their data, yes. Okay, good, good.
1: Now, I wanted to drill down on one aspect of your services. You have the these data services called kinetics for a, a variety of different kinds of securities or you know, fixed income or equities, things like that help us understand what is the kinetics portfolio how does the snowflake technology enable that to be you know more effective for you and for your clients
2: so data kinetics is a product offering that provides insights into market liquidity and sentiment for our customers and the source data from DTCCs, clearing, asset servicing, and trade repository utilities across all major asset classes. And Steve, given our central role in the global capital markets, we have a unique vantage point because we can see almost all transaction activity in a number of asset classes. And it is this data or this transaction activity that has been anonymized and aggregated that forms the basis of the kinetic products. Snowflake has been a great enabler in developing this product. Right, It brings us a number of benefits, including lower cost, faster revenue, and time to market, and improving our resilience, along with better entitlement and control, and enabling us to innovate. The fact that we are capturing increasing amounts of DTCC's trade activity in Snowflake will make it easier to develop new data products. And the, the really interesting shift we are seeing is the interaction between the business and IT because the cost of this of developing these new products is shifting from what was broadly IT cost to the risk on the business side to make sure that they are making the right decisions in terms of product priorities. We are also seeing that we are able to reduce the compute time for workloads. For example, the equities kinetic products, which used to take three hours to process, now takes six minutes. And the fact that we can get data faster to our clients has immense value. For example, a a hedge fund manager in London Will have our data in time to run their sentiment models when the markets are ready to run in Europe, which right, right. puts them at a significant advantage.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great example. But I, I wonder, can you kind of explain it a little bit more. I mean, you know, a lot of our podcast listeners are not in the financial services business, and certainly not in the kind of data intense aspect of it that you've been describing. So. Give us an example of how a client uses the Kinetics package. How do they use it to optimize or improve their business? What, what are the advantages of timeliness that you are able to offer them? Give us a scenario there.
2: Steve, let me take an example of our equities uh, Kinetics product. And in this product, we aggregate data through the sell-side clearing corp. So all sell-side firms, brokers, come in every day and send all that trade data to NSCC, which is the sell site clearing corp to clear and settle their trades. We then aggregate that data to a stock level. And after it's been anonymized, we can then cut up that data by different trade sites. So you can see the data from a buy perspective, sell perspective, sell short and sell short exempt. The the consumers of this data are typically quantitative investors who are looking at a lot of data points to identify strategies in order to turn a trading profit. And in this age of big data and artificial intelligence, they run some fairly complex data models. And okay. we are a part of that big jigsaw puzzle, with they are working with. And the value, Steve, we bring to the equation is that we can provide a consolidated view. Of US equity markets. And oh, I in absence of our data set, they would have to go to 27 different places to gather this data. Another great example of how this data set can get used is for sentiment analysis. And you can do that by looking at the shorts which are which have been placed on different stocks. And this can give you a sense for what the market feels about these different stocks.
1: Yeah. I imagine there's been a lot of that done with Meta recently, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: But that, that, yeah, that doesn't take a lot of subtlety to figure out what the sentiment is there. But there are others where I imagine it's, you know, there's obviously there are people who are, you know, buying long and other people who, who, who are selling short or, or whatever. Yeah. And there, there are differences of opinions and there a lot of them must be very subtle. And it's in the data that you can figure out what the best strategy is for an individual investor. So
2: exactly. And Steve, another, another example would be just liquidity, right? Which can tell you a lot about what is happening in the markets. Our data set lets you look at where trading is concentrated for individual securities, how many different players across peer groups are participating in that trading. And that is pretty powerful.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So I, I, I realize in, as you're talking that... Because you aggregate and anonymize, your clients are, are able to see the entire, you know, whatever cut of the data they want, not just their trades, but everybody else's trades. And so that they do get this whole market view. And that is really, I think, extremely valuable for them. So, yeah, thanks for explaining that. You know, the, the kinds of things you've been describing are really extremely powerful, uses or examples of data management, data analytics. Where do you see these things going over the next, you know, four or five years? Not just for financial services, but kind of the world of business.
0: See,
2: this is part of an overall broader trend where firms are coming to terms with the value of their data, and then they're looking at the cloud to enable development of new products and the ways in which they can join their operations with customers. Financial services, in particular, is evolving from a transaction or a payment business model to one of providing insights and analytics back to their customers. You see this in your personal life. If you think about your online banking services, at one point of time, they were a way to make payments. But today, your bank can give you important indications about your behavior. It can track your spending habits. You can get personalized alerts on fraud, and it can also show you ways to optimize. And within the capital markets at the institutional level, the same concepts are taking place. We are evolving from being a transaction partner for payments, settlement, asset servicing, to an information partner at, through all stages of the investment process. And banks in the institutional space in general are going to extend their universe from transaction processing to other areas like compliance, regulatory reporting, and risk management. And Steve, this is going to blur the lines between the different players, right? Collaboration and data sharing are going to be a part of this trend. And specifically in the financial services industry in particular, but broadly, We are all getting more comfortable in using cloud services, storing data in the cloud. And this is going to create new ecosystems where data can be shared between market participants. Yeah.
1: You know, it's just amazing to think back. I mean, how on earth did businesses operate 20 years ago? I mean, it was almost as if they didn't know what was really going on inside their, you know, it, within their operations or with their partners, their their downstream distribution, all that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, for the time, it was satisfactory or it was or it was it was you know what what was available. But it's just it's just amazing to see this revolution happen, kind of in real time, all around us, and with people like you driving it. So it, it, this is really a cool conversation. For your information, there's a lot more to ogres than people think. Really need to dig deep and get to know the real you, in the real, up close and personal. We typically end with a, a lighter, more personal question, and I hear that you're something of a history buff. How do you compare what's happening today with data and technology to other waves of innovation from the past?
2: Steve, there, uh, there are a lot of parallels, right, and between. What is happening in the world today, and what is what has happened in the past? There are some differences, but I think the parallels are indeed striking. We talk about data revolution, but if I hearken back to the original information revolution, which was really Gutenberg and the invention of the printing press, the ability to mass produce books of all kinds changed the culture back then because reading was only for the elite. And this was really a transformative event around the world. And the the impact it had on lives of millions was fairly radical. So Martin Luther was one of the early users of the printing press. And if not for the printing press, the Renaissance would probably have remained an isolated experience in northern Italy. Yeah. Also, one of the things which we take for granted today, which is the ability for ideas to challenge ideas, that was something which was driven by the uh, printing press as well. And we call that today the scientific method. So these were really profound and radical changes introduced by a new technology. And today we talk about democratization of data or making data accessible to people. So this is not a new trend. It has links to the past, and it will result in uh, fairly radical changes, many of which we can't predict. The other interesting part about that, Steve, is that you know while change has remained a constant, the rate at which it's coming to us is is different. Like it took us one hundred and twenty five years before the telephone reached a billion people, and yet it took just eight years for Facebook to do, do just that. So the the rate of change is not something we've experienced before. Right. But the key takeaway I would say is that we should recognize that we have been here before. This is a, we shouldn't panic, we shouldn't obsess with it, but uh, we should learn from our history because it can yeah. inform us.
1: Yeah. 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 I, you know, I think it's funny. It's like they're waves within waves. I look back on, I think Bill Gates gave this speech at Comdex, it was, I think it was 1990 or something like that. He talked about information at your fingertips. It was a vision for the industry. And ever since then, when I look when I look at the next 40, 50 years or whatever it's been, well, I guess 30 years, it's really a fulfillment of that vision. And we just keep getting better access, quicker access, better, deeper data, better ability to analyze it. And you see it continuing into the future and and hopefully it'll make things better for business and society, both and, and individuals as well. So this has been absolutely fascinating. I, you know, this whole process of, of getting to know you guys and getting to know your, your, your business is really cool to me. I mean, I, I like to kind of see who's on the cutting edge of technology and and DTCC certainly is there. So it's something that I'm going to be paying a, much more attention to in the future. So I've just really learned about the, the organization. I'm really interested to see what you guys do with blockchain because it just seems, you know, the promise of blockchain, people have been talking about it for a long time, but it's the kind of applications that you're using it for that really, it seems to me, could be extremely important and, and valuable for for business so anyway thank you so much for being on it's been it's been a great podcast
2: thank you steve and it's been great talking to you and i hope your listeners have found this very interesting as well
0: the Data Cloud World Tour is making 21 stops around the globe so you can learn about the latest innovations at Snowflake's Data Cloud at a venue near you. Join your fellow data leaders at one of our full-day events to network with Snowflake customers and technology partners, attend educational breakout sessions and learn how to drive more value from your data. Find an event near you at www.snowflake.com/data-cloud-world-tour.